0: thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio education tonight where we discuss the biggest topics debates and events in education this week hosted by brent poland and the teachers Talk radio team who will be joining us imminently for tonight's discussion uh, just before we get started a uh, special thanks to our partners at teachers Talk radio john cat educational if you're interested in your own professional development whether that be in reading books or learning more about what you do in your classroom, then visit John Cap at Johncatbookshop.com and find out what they can do to help and support you as a teacher within your classroom and the wider profession. They've got some amazing titles available. So make sure you check them out. Uh, go to johncatbookshop.com and find out more. Um, in a second, I'm going to hand over to Brent, um, who's got who's going to be sort of taking people's calls this evening. And yeah, looking forward to the show.
1: And hello, good evening, Tom. Can you hear me?
0: Good evening. Can I hear you loud and clear.
1: Brilliant, fantastic. I love when the technology works. So, yes, tonight we're going to have a. Hopefully, we'll try and get through a packed show. But, but obviously, we we'll start with um, the the talk of the town. Really, the the Ofsted situation, which keeps developing, doesn't it? It keeps um being on a life of its own. And I was just trawling through a lot of the media and the print media, and it seems to have taken traction with the likes of the print media but it's yet to cut through the sort of uh, the tv media as much uh, nationally i think the the, the look the tv media seems to be dominated by certain proceedings down in the house of commons and and the other things going on but certainly i can see uh, quite a, a lot of evidence in the print media and even the online media uh, that this is sort of cut through a little bit so i do think this is going to keep keep going and evolving uh, and, and we want it to that's that's part of it. one of the reasons why we want to to talk about this is because I think there's a definite conversation to be had about accountability, Ofsted, um, recruitment, retention and also just mental health around teaching as well I think that you know there's, there's, there's the underlying situation was, as regards rec- head teachers you know because we've been through what we've been through the last couple of years but we're running out of teachers but also we're running out of good head teachers as well and 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 I think there's a definite sort of a couple of strands to to unpick with all of this really about where we're at within the profession and where we are as as, as a, a sort of the last couple of years. But but also it's an interesting time, isn't it? That we, we, the wagons are being drawn and and, and with the, the strikes going on, it does feel to be something happening within like a, a kind of revolution within teaching of we're, we're sort of pushing back now. We, we've had enough, and and if we we love this profession. We're going to have to fight for it, aren't we? We're going to have to fight for our rights and fight for the funding and fight for the children and fight for each other. I mean, that's the thing. It's about the solidarity shown in the last couple of weeks. And there's definitely something, something changed. I, I can feel it. There's definitely something happening uh, within the wider profession. And, and it's sad that it it takes such a tragedy to, to bring things into focus. So that's what we'll talk about to begin with, and then we'll have a chat maybe a bit later on about vaping in schools, which which you think again is another one of those things that's hit a critical mass, which seems to be endemic in young people, and obviously bleeding into schools. And then we'll see can we get on to to some of the other topics. But that's what we'll start with. We'll start with the the Ofsted, um the offsted topic. Ooh, so if you are you're welcome to join us at stage. You're welcome to request to speak. You're you're welcome to to um to ask to to please interrupt by all means because otherwise I'll keep talking, um but equally you're you're more than welcome to to validate your opinion if your opinion is different to any of ourselves, um by all means please this is what this is built upon is built upon this idea of having a discussion a robust discussion uh, from different points of view you know I'm a secondary teacher so I'll be really looking for uh, some input from the primary um, sector. Although I've got two children at primary school and a healthy respect for primary, I am a secondary specialist. And obviously, it'd be really, really useful to hear a broad section of different educators from different settings and, of course, from different parts of the country as well. So we have got any of our, um, our Scottish, Welsh or even people from my neck of the woods here if you're speaking from different education systems. It might be interesting to see how you know uh, accountability operates in other parts, even in other parts of the world. If you if you are an international listener, um, or if you're an overseas uh, expat teacher, it might be interesting for your for observations of how it's done in other countries. So any experience whatsoever, we've all, if you've been in teaching long enough, like myself, um, we've all had experiences of ofsted. I've I think I've been through four now myself. Um, I won as a subject specialist in 2010, which was actually, believe it or not, a good experience. Um, It was a good experience because it was under the old framework where it was felt it's actually useful. I had the lead HMI for citizenship when citizenship was a core subject back in 2009, 2010, this was. And um, it was actually, I wouldn't say enjoyable, but it was affirming. And it was advising, and it was um, helping, and the recommendations were fully agreed with. It was a collaborative offstead, and and I actually came out of it feeling better because um, the validation that I felt from a subject point of view, uh, the good things that I was doing at that time in citizenship was a priority core subject, and it was it was it was really really pleasing. And yes, some of the recommendations were. Where it needed to be implemented, it was a good ofsted, um, but it was also good because it was genuine. It wasn't. It wasn't that there was any agenda. The HMI wanted to see what what they were told was a good school were doing, and it was a two day full subject inspection. Um, but since then, uh, ofsted has had a negative impact upon my own school and and even you know my community, which i have then seen some of my colleagues in other schools. Uh, have ratings which have been questionable let's be honest and harsh and you know you hear the stories about you know outstanding school marked down on one technicality and and this is literally where this story has started hasn't it where this story has started from an Ofsted report and hopefully I've got um one of our callers later on hopefully will join us is actually uh, somebody who's connected to to Ruth who, who sadly you know um unfortunately took her life as a result of this. And um I suppose we, we have to start with the fact that this is a tragedy and, and thoughts and prayers um with the family of, of, of Ruth and the community. Um because it is an absolute it's horrible. It is absolutely horrible um human the, the loss of a human life, especially something that was from the family's point of view completely preventable. And they do attribute the offstead has been the contributing factor towards sadly the loss of that life which has in many ways you know made us all very emotional about this because losing one of our own within our profession a good person works hard for the community is is hard to take but the thing about it is is when you actually read the office dead report for the school i would be proud to to send my children to that school i've got a four and a seven year old And when I've read through the actual Ofsted, everything I would look for as a father of two young children, that school has. And and literally, it's just the one thing that they pick up on, which is, I find deeply ironic, because all the other things that are good cannot be good unless the leadership is good. Because you have, the governors have ambitious vision for pupils and staff. Uh, Leaders have worked with determination and strength for the quality of education, priority to early reading, English and wider subjects of history and physical education, their hard work and sound thinking have paid off. You <laughs> know, Their hard work, the leaders' hard work and sound thinking have paid off. This led to greater consistency in pupils achieving well. Massive praise. Changes to mathematics curriculum demonstrates leaders' high expectations. Hold on. So the leaders' high expectations. However, some teachers require further training, fine, and implementing. But a reading is high priority. Staff and reception closely follow school phonics programme. School helps give kids a flying start. Staff know a love of reading clear routine expectations being that children in reception get off to a strong start. <laughs> you read through this Ofsted report and you're like, this is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. First line, pupils enjoy coming to this welcoming and vibrant school. They respect and celebrate the differences between themselves and others. People can discuss what a healthy and unhealthy relationship looks like and how to be a good friend. They know how to stay safe, including online. That's amazing. That's absolutely what you're looking for. As a parent, what you're looking for from a school. Most pupils behave sensibly and and rise to staff's high expectations. Where do the staff get the high expectations from, if not from the leadership, who set the tone? Pupils are kind to each other. They listen and respond appropriately to each other. Pupils know how to turn to if they're worrying a problem, feeling confident that they can get the help they needed. Relationship between staff and pupils are warm and supportive. And this this is what really uh, incidents of bullying are rare. In this day and age, This is, you know, tell me that this is not outstanding, even good. This is amazing. This is exactly what you want from a school, especially a primary school. People appreciate the wider opportunities and experience to enhance their learning, including range of visits. So all the enrichment activities there, clubs, visitors, interests and talents. People are enthusiastic, with many positions of leadership they hold because they know how to make a positive difference. People are doing well overall and prepared for the next stage of education. And then comes that kicker. However, leaders do not, take, not have the required knowledge to keep people safe from harm. Well, I'm sorry, but that completely contradicts everything else you're saying. They have not taken prompt actions when pupils are at risk. But again, that completely contradicts everything else. So, and this is where I, this almost, this three lines is completely out of sync with everything else in this whole Ofsted report. Because everything in this whole Ofsted report is indicating you have a well-run school, a lovely school, a fantastic school, a loving school, a caring school, a nurturing school, a, a leadership team that gets it, popular um, with the parents, the parent feedback. I've looked through some of the parent feedback. It's stunning. Parents love the school. Kids love going to the school. Parents, you know, that ha- doesn't happen by accident. That happens by mm-hmm. diligent hard work, determination. You know, that happens with, in collaboration. And even look at this, this line in the Ofsted report. School leaders, um, staff start every day lesson with a recap to help pupils connect with previous learning leaders identify any additional needs and have as soon as they join the school leaders identify any additional needs with pupils as soon as they join the schools I mean again that's leaders provide pupils with extensive opportunities for professional development boom C- keeps coming up time and time again leaders are and who are they talking about staff are supportive of senior leaders staff are supportive of senior leaders what does that tell you that the staff and the senior leaders are on one team. There's no animosity between the senior leadership and that school, the head teacher and the staff. They're all working together. They feel, look at this, they feel respected and appreciated. Consideration of leaders' place on the well-being and workload. Wow. They feel respected and appreciate the consideration leaders' place on well-being and workload. That's what this Ofsted report said about the leadership of that school, that it then went and threw under the bus and called this school inadequate. You know, one parent who echoed the sentiment of many said, I'm impressed with how happy my child is as at the school. The staff are brilliant and caring, inspiring them to be the best they can be. And they graded this school as inadequate. After all of that, and that's, this is the Ofsted report I'm reading from, this is what it said about the school. And it goes to safeguarding. The leaders have a weak understanding of safeguarding requirements and procedures. They do not exercise sufficient leadership or oversight for important work. So it gets stuck in there. Records of safeguarding, return and tracking and actions are poor. Leaders have not ensured, acquired appointment checks. Some staff have not done necessary training, record concerns. So that's what their, their bug barrel was. Everything else was absolutely fantastic. And it doesn't give any examples of why they had those safeguarding concerns. So I can't fully completely comment because obviously we, We don't know. They haven't published that. That's what they've come out with. Now, in the context of what is happening within our schools, I've scrolled through and had a look at lots of sort of um, Ofsted reports that some schools have said have been flippant. And it seems to be an absolute um, epidemic at the moment, in a sense that there's a lot of discrepancies about schools saying they have these very strange Ofsted reports. And some of them have been reported in the media in the stains of Ofsted reports which read one way and then all of a sudden they pick up on one small pedantic thing and then knock you right down. And and even that's come into Parliament. There have been um, MPs raise concerns about their faith based schools being being targeted. But there doesn't seem to be a clear pattern as to what some, sometimes they're looking for one thing and looking for nothing. There isn't like one consistent thing that seems to be sometimes a safeguarding. Sometimes it's 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 mathematics. Sometimes it's English. That doesn't seem to be a sort of set criteria where we can say that's exactly what Ofsted's picking all these schools on. It seems to vary from school to school, this inconsistency. But that does seem to be some agenda of knocking down previously good schools. It's almost as if the aid that's gone out, if you've not been inspected for a long time, then expect to be knocked down under the new framework. Almost like there's, an, there's, there's a hidden agenda that if you were previously a, a really good school, under the new framework, you've got to learn to be like the new school. And, and, and there is some evidence to support that, that schools that had been um, not inspected for quite a while um, have, I think, 45% of them have been downgraded from outstanding to good. So previously outstanding schools seem to be knocked down under the new framework, almost like they've gone and said, "Right, you're too long being inspected. We're just going to bring you in line with everybody else, and you're no longer a good school, outstanding school, any longer." And, and some of the pedantic things they picked upon was almost a, an outstanding school that was that was told it wasn't preparing children for the next level of education, even though they were getting thirty five children, you know, with off, with um, Oxbridge um, applications. So there seems to be spurious claims by some head teachers that are saying, look, sorry, spurious sort of uh, reasons that Ofsted seem to be picking on different schools. When you add the pattern together, there seems to be an issue with Ofsted. And, and head teachers have been saying this for a while, but unfortunately, this is where this has come to a head. So that's what I want to open with. I'll open up to the floor now, if anybody would like to add anything to that. Um, but I thought it would be really good to start with literally what the actual Ofsted report said about Ruth's school. And, and then obviously we can move on to to looking at the reactions to this week, which have been in the chronological order. Um, it's gained momentum. We're now at the stage where I think the NEU and the unions have got on board and they're now putting a petition. I think it put a petition into the...
0: Noreen's called in, yeah. Brent. I don't know if you've seen oh. her. You've got Noreen now. Oh, fantastic. I haven't, so thank you. <laughs> Hello. Keep an eye on that old screen, my friend. <laughs> oh, I'm too
1: busy rapping away, you know. I mean it's been a seven period day, Tom. Seven period day.
0: Out. Oh, yeah,
1: I know. Noreen, far away.
2: Hi, hi everyone. Um, I'm not going to talk about the school as such because I, I think um it's it's um, it's a sensitive topic, uh, especially uh, considering what's happened. Um I'm I'm happy to talk about off state in general. Um but I think uh, using this school as an example of what's gone wrong, um, I think it's, it's, it's it makes me uncomfortable. So I rather- no,
1: no, I agree. It is raw, isn't it? It, it is. Um, I thought I would start with that so that we we outline. This is where the beginning of it is. But I agree with you. We, we are talking about Ofsted. This is the kind of the straw that's broken the camel's back. But there are wider issues with an So please, by all means. Um give us your thoughts and feelings on, on the wider implications and issues that we are dealing with as regards Ofsted.
3: This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides, and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
4: Um,
3: I
2: think everybody will agree that um, we do need accountability. Um, whether uh, And uh, people who are calling for abolition of ofsted. Um, I haven't seen anyone uh, give me an idea of what they want that uh, of state to be replaced with. Um, my fear is it might be something worse. Um, so, and uh, some Friedman had written an, a, a piece earlier in the week, I think, uh, saying that it's not that easy, easy. To, to abolish it or or to reform it, and um, um, the thing. The thing which I've taken away with this uh, this week is that, um, uh, and it's been put really well on um, Andrew Old's blog, I think today, and he's captured my thoughts quite quite clearly. That uh, yes, talk about what's what Ofsted should do and what it shouldn't do. Uh, talk about how it captures uh, safeguarding uh, reports on safeguarding, uh, etc. But let's not um, let's not think that safeguarding isn't important. Some of the things I've read on on uh, on Twitter have made me really, um, you know, uncomfortable. Shall we say? Because uh, safeguarding is too important to say. While it was just records, it doesn't really matter if the records aren't well, because uh, you know, it, it is safeguarding. Records are important, and they need to be. Uh, they need to be up to date. They need to be well, uh, well kept, and always remember that uh, the date checks, etc. They start these started after the Soham murders, um, and so it's it's something which it's we can't point. just yeah it's something, yeah it's something we just can't say that record keeping uh, uh, shouldn't be. Let's let's look at it. Even you know, without getting, uh, without getting too passionate about it, let's look at it calmly and quietly and see what uh, what sort of records uh, Ofsted is looking at. Um, it, might, it might be that you know, I'm not saying that they they might they're perfect. They might be doing, they might be not doing a, a good job. But um, when I see people say, "Let's abolish it today." But uh, I'm I I really can't go with that because uh, of, or if they say let's abolish Ofsted and it should only be safeguarding. Now safeguarding is so important that um, during lockdown when normal uh, uh, inspections had stopped, safeguarding was one thing they would still come into inspect schools if they thought there <laughs> was something wrong with safeguarding. So uh, we have to keep that is the first thing we have to keep in mind that we have to, whatever we want to replace Ofsted with. Uh, It can't be something which will um, not uh, play that uh, emphasis to safeguarding. So, you know, (laughs) that's that's what I feel.
1: So just looking at your your, your role, so you're a a multi-academy trust trustee and and obviously involved in governance. And and the interesting thing is one of the best things I ever did as a, a teacher was to get involved in the governance of my school. Because you do get to see the other side, don't you? You do get to see, you know, the the bigger picture of what goes what goes on and how important, you know, the decision making is. And you you see, you know, the outside the classroom. You don't always, as a teacher, see all the things going on in the background, don't you? The back of the house stuff that that actually has to happen. And sometimes those necessary policies. And and I do agree with you. Safeguarding has to be priority. Um, but that's the thing is that. When you read through the report, it's 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 quite ironic that you, you get a feel that everything was absolutely the school, no bullying. It seemed to be, and again, it's hard to comment when you don't know absolutely everything. So we've got to be careful. But you, you're getting contradictory messages there about that. But I do absolutely completely agree with you. Safeguarding has to be something that is sacrosanct at every school is one of their primary functions. They have to ensure that. Yeah, you have to exactly. make sure that's right. Yeah,
2: I I would you know again we have to make the point that. Safeguarding isn't just bullying. There might be no bullying in school. It might be a really place, but it doesn't mean that. But if you're not uh, keeping records of of your staff, if you're not if the DBS checks are not up to date, then it does matter whether, whether the children are bullying each other or not. Mm. Uh, what are the staff doing?
1: True, and and one of our issues at the moment is we're so short staffed of things that. Uh, you have to make sure that's right. But th- this is it's the world we live in now, isn't it? The world we live in now is a health and safety world. And it's right it's health and safety world because the primary function of school is to ensure those children are safe. So I, I completely agree. Um, and, and yes, some schools have been sometimes failed on a technicality when it comes to safeguarding. I know of a school that was failed because there was a path, the public access path going through their property. That they couldn't really do much about, but it was outside their control. But they were still feeling that because of the potential of a, a situation arising, and they had to fence. They had to find a way to fence the path in. But that was one of those you think, well, that's t- difficult to judge a school and everything else based upon one potential risk. But that's what off deemed that that to be the case. That was a potential risk. So you know, why wait till afterwards? That you, you're right about. Sometimes there's no point afterwards the event saying, This is what we should have done. You've got to have measures in place. You've got to have systems in place. You have to have your bureaucracy in place. I completely agree with that. So, from that point of view, I do agree that Ofsted does need to be a system where we are accountable and safety checks are done. But does it have to be done? This is the wider conversation. Does it have to be done this way? And does it have to be done in such a critical way, an unsupportive way? And does it have to be done? where a school is dragged down because on a technicality and, and the public way that it is done as well, because you see, unfortunately, when those things are published, they can give a misleading impression of a school and they then can get a pile on the local population. Then you pile on, I've seen that on, on, on local media where the school of report is is published and then whack, it's just piled on and the school's reputation is completely shot to bits because of the way that the Ofsted report has read, which can be unfortunate for the school if it's not worded in a way that reads the way you want it to read. So it, it, on a report can be misleading about some schools um, because the way that the, the grading system is, you know, you're inadequate and yeah, maybe, I- you know...
3: I-
2: yeah, I, I take that point, but uh, I have issues with. I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not defending Ofsted. I know there may, may be things wrong with it. I just. I'm looking at it from, from somebody who had three daughters go through school. Uh, I would have been, uh, and and from a governor's point of view, and I would have been really upset if I knew that uh, my t- my daughters were being taught by somebody whose DBS check hadn't gone through. Now you might say that's a techni- technicality, but again, I'll you know. I hate to bring up the Soha murders again, but you know that that is the, that is this that is where we are living in. That is what's happening. Um, it may be a technicality, but it depends on how how big a techni- technicality it is. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, I have I I know personally of of ex- of inspections where they have come in. They've looked at the uh, central uh, register, you know, the register, and they said you, your. Uh, record keeping isn't right, right up to scratch but we are here for two days we'll keep we'll we'll look at it again tomorrow get it sorted between now and then because they knew that the, the, it was a technical thing which had, which was missing so they uh, uh, ins- i know inspectors uh, i mean it might not be that every 100% of the inspectors will do this but i know of inspectors who have done this who have said you know your record keeping isn't what we, uh, what it should be but we'll give you time to sort it out uh during uh, and we'll come back and see it uh you know uh, later in the evening or tomorrow morning uh, get it sorted while we are here and then that's fine and that's been done and it's been okay uh so i think uh, one thing i i would like uh, heads and governors and trustees to do is get somebody get get your safeguarding audited by somebody external that will give you uh, because if you're looking at If I'm not doing something correctly, I don't know whether I'm doing it correctly or not. And governors themselves, we we are not... um, You know, we won't go in and look at at all records because we're not allowed to look look at everybody's personal information. But I would encourage governors and trustees to ask heads and i'd encourage heads to see if they could get somebody external to come in and do a safeguarding audit for them for them and that will give them some insur- assurance that um and that, you know that that will be done in a supportive way that's not ofsted. that's not going to um, downgrade them or anything and if something has been missed which is a technical thing it will be picked up so when ofsted does come that issue has been sorted. Um, and it'll also give you confidence that your safeguarding and your record keeping, etc., is up to date, is is the way it should be. So um, I I I that's something I and it's easier in, in maths. Uh, but but you know, I'll, I'll encourage schools to do that.
1: I think that's very sensible. I I I like that what you said because that would be my thrust of what I think is wrong with Ofsted in the sense of the judgment they made without sort of the implications of it, the consequences of it, to take a school, good, 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 inadequate in that. I liked what you said there because that's given the school, look, here's where it's wrong, here's how you fix it. If you fix it, please fix it. But like a building inspector coming in, a building inspector comes in and says, right, this is what, what you need to do to pass this building. Do you know what I mean? A building inspector comes in and doesn't condemn the building. The building inspector comes in and says, this is, these are the things you need to fix. And then when you fix these things, then we can sign this building off as, as, being, as, as being safe. If you are making mistakes, you know, point the mistakes out, absolutely, to the standard. Because one of the problems a lot of schools have sometimes is we are, w- w- what is the guidance? Let's be honest, the, the Department of Education is not famous sometimes for the amount of guidance that they send, especially the last couple of years, and the inconsistency of sometimes the guidance that has been sent. Um, and, and if there is issues that schools aren't fully implementing, they should be advising. They should be helping. They should be, as I as I suggested when I had a, a HMI come in, I had the lead HMI for the country come in. It was an experience that was positive because it was encouraging, informing. It was here's the error. Okay, here's how you fix it. But to turn around and say the leadership at the school is basically on that field when you're saying all oh, these other things they're doing well was it sounds harsh. Whereas but, your suggestion but, of but, you right, know it fix it. On, it
2: depends on what the error was. If if for example if the dbs check had been done but just hadn't been entered now that's a small mistake which can mm. be corrected on that day you can just go back and look um and you know and tick that box off in your in your records but if you haven't done the dbs check that two two days aren't enough to do the dbs check and that <laughs> you know, you, you, what are you going to do send that staff member home and not uh, uh, stop the employment or whatever it it yeah. it depends on what what it is if some if the staff member doesn't have a dbs check i'm quite happy for leadership and management to be rated inadequate
1: yeah but that's which we don't know what that was then i'm just going to bring it. thank you that's absolutely that's really insightful and it's good to get that opinion from from that point of view from a, a different point of view and equally from um, a, a mat point of view, a governor point of view. And, and that was quite clinical and, and quite honest. Very, very good opinion. Really appreciate that. I'm just going to bring in uh, Miss T, who's uh, head of science at British International School uh, overseas. Um, hello. Yeah, so I've tied up
5: two hats because I, I was a teacher for seven years in Wales where we don't have Ofsted. Um, and now I teach Ooh. internationally, so I've kind of like I've got like two sort of views on it now a little bit. And um, I which hat I,
1: what hat are you going with first? I,
5: I'm going. I think I think the Wales hat. I think the Wales hat because I, I'm struggling to agree with Noreen here. Like I really am because um, I think. I, I I absolutely agree that safeguarding is the number one priority. It is it's the number one thing we do in a day is we keep the kids safe, right? Fine, and and I absolutely appreciate that that there has to be some measure of um of accountability when it comes to safeguarding. Certain boxes have to be ticked. Certain things have to be done. Designated safeguarding leads. Every you know people need to do their job. Fine. What I don't understand is the total and complete annihilation of a school reputation and the leaders reputation and the leaders careers and for the sake of a dbs and when you know when you're talking about well what do they do about that well yeah okay if the dbs hasn't been done right if we're talking about i mean that i I personally feel like that's probably quite an extreme example that there's that there's never been a dbs on record fine then yeah you send the staff member home that's what you do you 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 get rid of the staff member off site if they're not dbs checked but what ofsted do is they publicly and systematically destroy the reputation of that school all the hard work that those leaders and teachers have put into it all the hard work of everyone else those teachers now have to have to you know have to deal with huge community backlash and what you don't see from ofsted and and this this is the thing, because I think a real, a real sort of accountability, a real body of accountability would offer some form of then support and guidance. And OK, so your record keeping is not up to scratch. I'm I'm going to move away from the DBS one. I do think that's quite an extreme sort of um, example, you know, having a member of staff who's not DBS checked. That is quite difficult. But. You know when we are talking about safeguarding paperwork and we are and you know you know i was ahead a head of year and i've been a head of department for a few years now and you know i'm perfectly aware of and i worked very closely with with the designated safeguarding lead when you're talking about paperwork and stuff to, to certain extent like where is then off going okay so what you haven't done is this this and this and what we're going to do is we're going to support you in that and we're going to actually get somebody in to sort of show you how to do this. And we're going to actually leave one of our inspectors with you for a little bit longer. Um, and they're going to sort of talk you through what we'd expect and what we need you to do. And, 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 you know, rather than just, okay, good, good, good. Mm, paperwork's not on to scratch. Bang. Inadequate. Done. Finished. See you later. See you in a few years. It's, 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 it's not, you know, and that's where I think the problem lies. It's not supportive. It's not constructive. It's not, It's not helping anyone in the long run. It's just, you know, and I think as well, getting in an external consultant, great idea. Who's paying for that?
3: Because
5: school hasn't got got a budget for that. Because I tell you what, that's what Ofsted should be doing. That's Ofsted's job. If they come in and they find that the safeguarding paperwork isn't up to scratch, then, then surely that's a supportive measure. And if there is fault at the leadership level, brilliant, hold them accountable. Do you know what I mean, if somebody genuinely isn't doing their job, I have no issue with accountability so... being placed where it's where it's due. But but the level of malice and the level of branding that goes on with Ofsted. And in mm. Wales, we don't have that. We have our body is called Estin and it runs in a very similar manner. Like, you, you know, you get very short notice. We get we get more than Ofsted, but we get quite short notice and we get inspected. I've been through two of them. One is a head of year and one is the head of science. And and we then, but we're not graded. There's no one word grading from Eston. They got rid of that a few years ago. Um, and, you know, instead what we have is pros and cons and a full report. Um, and so I think, again, it moves away from this just like rubber stamped, okay, this school is inadequate. This school is good. This school, It moves away from that because in order to get anything out of an Eston report, you have to actually read it. And I wonder how many people have actually read the report of the primary school in question because like you said yourself, it's a glowing report.
1: It's beautiful. It's, it's,
5: it's, Apart from it's, it's an lines. exceptional report. Yeah. It, and that's what's so sad about it. And I think that, you know, and again, I love the fact, I love to hear that there's some off-dead inspectors that um, that do give them a bit of time and say, John, mm. you know what? Just cross your T's and dot your I's for me. And then when I come back and look at it again, it'll be all right. But I I'm struggling to believe that's the majority of them. I really am
1: i say struggling to believe. Do you think so then the 13 years, leaving a school for 13 years, then coming in and giving it the big sort of like, you've not done this, you've done that. If there was a yeah. an Ofsted system where you had um, them coming in more frequently, but less intr- in in more an encouraging way, you would actually sit there and say, you'd want a world where you'd say, Ofsted, come on in. And and actually you'd want a situation where you'd, have, you'd invite Ofsted in and say, come on in, uh, come in and see what we're doing. Let us know if we're doing Okay. Um, just give us a quick sort of uh, once over oh yeah we're not doing that but next time you come in then you know and and a lot of schools you're right do have these school improvement partners who are consultants and you are absolutely correct I I know of a school improvement partner who was on uh, you know a a six-figure salary type you know that was going around the multi-academy trust and because they were like Ofsted wants to do this Ofsted's that and they're like the, the the sort of arbiter interpreter for the will of Ofsted you know like Ofsted's looking for this so this is what you need to do and you're like Okay. Oh, the new framework is like this. I will translate it for you. This is what they're looking for. This is what you need to do. So there's actually a business out there, a business model of people out there who go around, you know what I mean, basically being consultants, you know, to make sure you game yourself through the Ofsted sort of situation. And that's, you're right, because if you're a hard-up school and a hard-up trust and you can't afford those services, then what do you do? But leaving a school 13 years, then then throwing it under the bus like that and they said they have made mistakes you know they deserve the criticism but you're right they have to get the chance to fix it but then equally leaving your school for that long and then criticizing it you have to say to yourself you've left them 13 years and then come along and say you're doing stuff wrong where where is the guidance where's the help where's the where is the situation where you are sort of helping you know i think for me it's it's not working yeah i think for me in an
5: ideal in in an ideal world like you know if ofsted was effective right which i to be honest i think at the very minimum it's going to re- be re- it's going to need to be renamed because uh, the, just the mere word ofsted strikes fear into the heart of the majority of of people sort of teaching in england but you know if there was if there was a core group per local authority that that went round and maybe they had different specialties maybe there was a safeguarding lead you know a science lead maths lead whatever and they went round, and and they were your almost like liaison. And they just popped in, and you had a brew, and you talk through things, and you look through paperwork, and they, and and you know, it was informal, and it was and it was supportive, and it was just about are those children safe? Are they healthy? Are they happy? Are they being well educated? I think that I think that yeah, yeah. In a perfect world, that'd be great because because that's the whole point. The point is, Ofsted is supposed to regulate schools ensure that there is accountability and ensure that standards are being met how has it you know 13 years 13 years without an inspection without anything and then you come in and you single-handedly dismantle a school's reputation overnight over the space of two days for a two-day inspection and you decimate that school's reputation I mean, you know, not wanting to mention it, but you cost a woman a life and then yeah. you, you just leave this wake of destruction. You know I'd, like to know, I'd like to know if they've been back. Have you been back to suggest how they improve that? Have you been back to help? Has anyone, has anyone from Ofsted actually given them guidance or, or sat with them and supported them through any of this? Because I, because I can bet a lot of money that they haven't. Because they're quite yeah. happy going in. Two days. Oh, yeah. A mate, right. Good, 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 good. Mm, that's not good. Stamp finished. Mm. I'm, I'm just gonna bring so
1: I'm just
3: gonna
1: I'm gonna bring um Noreen back in and, and then I'm gonna go to Catherine. Obviously I'm gonna give Noreen a, a bit of replies because she's had her hand up and then I'll come to Catherine after that. So uh Noreen, do you want do you want to come back ah, in on any of yeah. that and then we'll come to Catherine. Thank, thank you Brent. I, I And Kate, I, Kate as well.
0: <laughs> Kate
1: <laughs> says yeah. well after Catherine. Oh yes yeah cool. Yeah. Yeah uh,
2: thank you Brent. Um I agree leaving a school for 13 years unexpected is uh, is not on, but that was due to legislation which had um, said that outstanding schools were exempt for, from um, from exempt, from inspection. And it is Ofsted who wanted to change that, and, and it's it's been changed, and that's why outstanding schools are now being expected. It, it's going to take some time before... Uh, they catch up with every every school which hadn't been inspected to inspect them again. But that is the background of the. Of That's the, fair. No, of I like us. that. That's
1: a fair point. Quick question uh, then, Noreen. Um, yeah. Do you think then, and you don't have to answer this, but I thought i put that, do you think then that Ofsted's sort of clearing the decks so of, you know, we've had, not done this school in a while, let's bring this in line with everybody else? Do you think there's a kind of, i am say an agenda, but has there been, they've looked at these schools that were. Under the old framework, outstanding, and have gone in heavy-handed on those schools to kind of almost whip them into shape type scenario. Or do you do you think it is because they've been that long? Because there is ev- the evidence does show that, that I think 45 uh, percent of the out- former outstanding schools have been knocked down to good, rather than stay at their, their 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 previous thing. Is it because the school do you think is hasn't adjusted, or do you think is it Ofsted going in and making sure you know what we're going heavy and get these guys back in the line like everybody else? What do you think of that, or? <laughs>
2: I, I don't think they've gone in heavy handed, but I think they they have gone in to to, to see whether outstanding is really outstanding and outstanding, uh, with the with the old framework is not outstanding in the new framework. So you know, and some schools may have got complacent. I don't think they're going in uh, heavy handed that because it was outstanding. Let's go in and make sure it's not outstanding anymore. Uh, that's one thing. And secondly, um. Yeah, If you're inadequate, then obviously uh, the process kicks in. But if you're requires improvement, um, and I'm going to take the blame here on behalf of governors and trustees, it's not Ofsted who will fire the head, it's not Ofsted who will, um, do that, it's governors. Um, so I think if, if governors have been and trustees have been doing the job properly, if you think your head is uh is, is the person to lead your school then back that head don't uh, don't uh, you know make make the head feel that they have to resign because they've had a requires improvement or they've gone from good from outstanding to good and
1: that's an interesting point isn't it because then your governors are technically the leaders as well. So that responsibility isn't just the head teacher, that responsibility is with the chair of governors isn't and the governing body at the school.
2: Exactly, exactly. So I think uh, where, where where heads have, have resigned or heads have gone away when the grain has fallen, it's not Ofsted who, who says, uh, this is what you have to do, you have to fire the head. It's the governing body who, who reacts. Uh, sometimes perhaps uh, it's a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, but, you know, as governors, um, we should know when things yeah. aren't, if things weren't going well, you should have known that things weren't going well. And if you still think that that person is the absolute the right person to read your, lead your head or lead your school, then back the head, stand with them and stand behind them and say, you know what, uh, fine, you're not outstanding, you've got, we've gone down to good, but we still trust you and we want you to lead the school and let's get it back to outstanding
1: so one last thing, because I've got a couple of speakers coming up. Um, governing itself, I I, I was a governor in the old framework. It's almost like a part-time job now, though, itself. And, and again, training for governors, you're relying upon, you know, a pool of people, which is a dwindling pool of people. But like head teachers themselves, getting a good set of governors is difficult in this day and age. Uh, do you think that's something that needs to be looked at as well about not just recruiting the correct governors and getting people invested in a school and it's tough to get good governors but even itself my wife is a governor and she has to invest a lot of time and expertise into it do you think that's an issue as well that maybe Ofsted should be looking at and the government should be looking at the governance of schools not just the leadership of schools but the governance of schools and how how schools are held accountable before Ofsted get in really.
2: I agree with that that completely I've uh, if you read my blog I've been saying this for for years and years, that DFE should make uh, uh, training for governors mandatory, and I suppose the reason they haven't done it comes down to money. That if they say it ha- it has to be mandatory, yeah. then then school will say, uh, find you know, give us the money to do it. But yes, governance, uh, and I I don't think uh, the workload has increased. Um, I think we you know we our, our three core functions are the same. It they have been when I became a governor about 13, 14 years ago under the two old frameworks ago um, it's just that uh, we expected to do it properly now it's uh, the days of uh, Sherry and Kambaya and just sitting around the table and, and just turning True. up for school events the, the head teacher
1: told you what was happening and you, and you just yeah. voted yes yeah yes. I, I remember those days yeah. my first <laughs> so, stint as a governor yes I agree I yeah.
2: totally agree yes training must
4: uh, is a must
1: Fantastic. I've got to bring Catherine in now. So, Catherine is. How are you there, Catherine?
4: I'm here. How are you?
1: I'm good. Far away. Where, where are you coming up with us then?
4: I was just, um, I was just um, wanted to say actually, we've just been through um, the challenge partners process, which was such a breath of fresh air, having gone through um, two Ofsteds. And actually, to be fair, they, they, were, they were fair Ofsteds and one inspector in particular was brilliant um, and actually left Ofsted a year later because he was so frustrated with the system that he became an independent consultant in the end. But um, but just the comparison between the Ofsted process and the challenge partners process couldn't be more different. And I genuinely felt that as a school, we came out of the challenge partners process knowing Um, Well, having been really challenged and now having some really clear next steps about where we're going. I'm not sure we ever had that when Ofsted came in. It felt like we just had to get through it and they weren't really there to hear about our school and our children and the story. It felt very much about paperwork, things being in place. They hardly saw any teaching it wasn't really um, there wasn't really a deep dive into anything really it it just felt it, it the quality i thought was was terrible really and now having the um have had the opportunity to go for the challenge partners process and comparing the two the two systems i i i just think we're missing a huge opportunity you know I, a challenge partners is a, is a little expensive it, it's time consuming But it's other professionals who are on the ground day in, day out, doing the job in their school, making judgments about another school and in partnership together, exploring what the school needs to to improve upon. And I just think we need to move to a model whereby schools are challenged, they're they're held to account but they they leave that process feeling like their schools understood, their children are known, and they have agreed to next steps. And it hasn't been a torture, it hasn't been a hugely stressful process. It should be something that you leave feeling that you've gained from. Not that you've lost years, yeah. of, you know, years of your sanity on. Um, I also think the biggest issue with Ofsted. Is Michael Wilshaw, <laughs> I,
1: sir, sir. Oh, I, he's,
4: I'm he's... sorry, I, I can't <laughs> put those three letters before his name. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I just don't have the words to. You know, what a bully. We're a
1: family show. Keep it clean. <laughs>
4: I just. you you just
3: think how do you get away with saying the things you say this show is brought to you in partnership with john cat educational a leading publisher of books directories educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the uk and beyond have you checked out their latest releases don't miss out visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today Happy reading. Well, and teachers think, are
1: lazy and we should get back in the classroom during COVID. Yes, thank you, Sir Michael. Well,
3: if, you, if you're secondary,
4: you might be a bit more in his good books. But if you're a primary school teacher, you're nothing short of lazy. You know, I, I, just, I don't know what his problem is. He's It's like he's just gunning for teachers all of the time. And particularly primary school teachers. He ha- he seems to hate primary school teachers. Um, he thinks we're all lazy. We, we, we just don't work hard enough. And... You know from, from my understanding he hasn't actually worked for Ofsted for a very long time but he just seems to be pulled out of the woodwork on every offsted conversation mm. um and he 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 needs to he needs to be quiet now and go away. The media
1: do go he is one of those that the media go to isn't he and, and he makes those comments that find themselves in certain print press that play into a certain stereotype of of, of teacher bashing and um there are a couple of politicians like that who were I say in inverted commas, teachers um, who also play into those sort of stereotypes. Again, it's quite critical. It's quite nasty. It's not it's not collaborative. Could you could you just explain to me, though, um, the challenge partners then? Could you explain what what organization that is? Where does that come from? And it's peer to peer, obviously. So where's the, the origins of that?
4: So the idea of being partnerships is that um, there's a lead inspector and that by, I use the word inspector probably incorrectly because I don't think they would use the term inspector. They would, they would call, it a, call it a lead partner. And the lead partner is somebody who has possibly been an Ofsted inspector but has certainly been a head teacher for a long period of time in schools that have been judged to be, ironically, um, good or outstanding. But again, that model is shifting and it's now about being an effective leader. And then that person goes out um, to another school, um, often quite a distance from your own school, certainly not a school within your hub community. And they would go out alongside two other um, senior members of staff who've been trained um, in the challenge partners um, model. And so as an example, we had um, three um, people meet up, uh, come to our school. One was an ex Ofsted inspector, One was the um, deputy head of an infant school and one was the um, head teacher of a really challenging, um, currently in special measures, junior school. So you had three people there with a wealth of experience, lots and lots of time spent on the ground in schools every day doing the job. And they come on in and they look at your school development plan. They spend half a day literally on their own going through um, your school development plan, looking at your key priorities. They then spend three days in your school. They spend a lot of time in lessons with Mm. reflection and discussion alongside other senior leaders from, from the school they're visiting, which is hugely developmental for the senior leaders within um, your school because mm-hmm. you've learned to 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 see the children's learning through a different lens um, there's lots and lots of discussion um, and then they start to to look at commonalities they start to look at are are they seeing what we're seeing what what what's missing that we're not seeing, mm. and they start to build a picture, and a lot of that comes through discussion. There's lots of post-it notes being plastered all over the walls. They're looking, they're looking. So it's collaborative.
1: Time. It's it's collaborative. It's with you. It's not talked down to you. It's peer to peer. It's an affirming experience, is what you're really saying, as opposed to a a kind of big brother experience, which is what we're getting some Orwellian version, you know, of, of the, we must please the master, as opposed to working with somebody who's got a different insight or CP you're basically describing it as almost a CPD experience basically
4: it's CPD with a heck of a lot of challenge you know they Mm. there was there was because there was trust amongst everybody working together yeah they they asked some really tough questions and and you know I'm not saying the process was at all easy and I was I was quite tired by the end of it but I was tired in a good way I, I felt like I had left that process thinking, do you know what? I hadn't seen, I hadn't been seeing that in quite the same way. Or they've given me something different to think about, and and the great thing is that then, you know, we can get on with the job and and make improvements on the ground. And then equally, um, because of the way the model works, we'll then go out to other schools, and we all work alongside other teachers. And it becomes a sort of a very much a sort of like a payback scheme.
1: Yeah. 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 You, you then with paid forward, you're involved in the scheme and then you can help others and then you grow that. And then it's a bit of CPD because going out into other schools and helping other schools actually is good for you because you may pick up ideas. It's that collaboration. It's that learning from each other. It's that kind of, you know, learning skills. But that sounds like kind of what we kind of do in schools when we're helping people peer-to-peer mentor people and and work yeah. with people because you know when somebody comes in and observes me and I know them and I trust them I'm going to take the feedback from them aren't I from people I trust who have got my best interests at heart as well rather than some stranger coming in and sees me for 20 minutes and then makes a snap judgment about my teaching based upon a 20-minute window as opposed to somebody who I've got a bit of a relationship who knows me quite well And that's the thing with offstate, isn't it? It's very different to how we are observed in school by people that we trust and people that we we have a lot of time for who've seen us perform. But they come in for 20 minutes and make a snap judgment. That's always got people triggered, isn't it? That idea of some random stranger at the back of your classroom and you don't know who, you know, and and you don't know what they're looking for. And it gets people on edge and you never get the best out of them, um, which which is ironic.
4: The one thing I will just reiterate, though, is I. It was the quality assurance of it was really good, really mm. good. That lead inspector, yeah, sorry, lead challenge partner. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, they it was Freudian slip. <laughs> well, she because she was an ex ex-Ofsted inspector, it was quite interesting to see how she flicked between the two models, and she did. She did yeah. sort of talk about that, which Was quite interesting. The only other thing I, that I do think, though, and I think this is quite interesting. Um, a reflection on you know what's happened um recently to to the to the schooling question i think safeguarding is a very specific issue mm. i it still shocks me that there isn't one system that all schools should are using it's still there's still an open amount of interpretation to the guidance so for example you know one school might use CPOMs another school might use a paper-based system you know and I just I just think considering how many reviews we've had of huge you know terrible terrible um situations that have happened to children in this country it really shocks me that we don't have an agreed a
1: really good point actually in yeah. one central database or one central system or one central Absolutely. way there's
4: no yeah. no there's no um mm. question about the system and i think actually that should be um that should have a separate level of inspection that's that's quite different um you know more in line with the nhs um quality assurance um
1: yep yeah, my wife's nhs i can tell you that she she's out of mental health and, you know her, her checks and balances on on things like paperwork bureaucracy and safeguarding are universal so it's, mm. it is a very good very very good point that we, we should have a universal clear system and then you suppose if ofsted come in there's clarity there isn't it this is the system you're not using the system why aren't you using so if they are going to judges then they should be a a criteria of suppose like the kids and you know sometimes the kids do a task and you think if I've not clearly instructed them what I want them to do I can't blame the children for not completing the task if there's ambiguity of what the task was meant to be it's the clarity thing isn't it what are you looking for you know so and and then obviously stretching that out thanks for that I think that's really interesting because obviously one of the things that people said earlier on is what would you replace Ofsted and you've obviously offered an alternative model to an Ofsted which still obviously has checks and balances but as a more affirming experience, which which I felt that when I was subject specific Ofsted in 2010, that's more of what I felt that the person was there to help me. The person was there to guide me. The person was there to say, well done, you're doing those things, but equally at the same time, going, have you? And it was interesting that that, that HMI for citizenship you know, 12, 13 years ago was saying, have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about doing that? And then obviously I was saying, oh, I've done this. Oh, I like what you've done there. I'm going to take that idea. In other words, I was learning from them almost like master to mentor, you know, mentor to, to master because they were a person who knew what they were talking about. And I accepted it from them because I thought this person knows what they're talking about. And equally, this person wants me to be even better at this job. And, and that's where I think they have lost their way a little bit. So I'm going to bring Kit in uh, and Kit Wells. And, and, Kate, obviously, you've got a close association with the situation. Um, and I've just, uh, obviously, um, thank you for 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 taking the time to, to ring in thus far. Everybody's been fantastic. And please keep contributing. So I'm going to bring Kate in. Are you there, Kate?
6: I am, yes. Finally, after some an- Android issues. <laughs> I've oh. uh, re- re-downloaded Twitter. And it's working now. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. And thanks, Tom, for um, inviting me. Um, so, yeah, I, I am... Closely related um, related to Cavendish Primary, I taught there for ten years with Ruth. Uh, my two children went there, and I was on the PTA. i vice chaired it for many years as well. So, you know, this is this is raw, and it's really interesting. You know how it's exploded. You know, we've, we've can obviously can I say
1: can I say my deepest consol- condolences, and from the fraternity of of teachers, um, anything we can all do as teachers, and that, that's why we want to keep this going. So i thank you for 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 speaking about this because this obviously is is something very very close um and and thanks for that so far away and and tell me what you think then
6: thank you yeah yeah i've been been quite a unique position because i don't teach at the school anymore and i wasn't directly involved in ofsted so whereas most of my colleagues are not able to speak um it's sort of fallen on to me um which is, it's great that I've got this platform and it's brilliant to hear so many teachers, so many heads, um, the wonderful Flora sort um, of coming out um, in support, but then more than that, it's this sort of de- debate that it's opened up in this discussion um, and it's, it's such an important one. Um, so I don't, I'm not really gonna speak too much about Cavish and Primary in particular, because, um, you know, obviously, I know more about the report than I'm allowed to talk about. Um, I would say though that safeguarding being an issue in that school is not the case Um, and it's it's one of those things that um, it sometimes feels like there are boxes to tick um, and then when something specific and unusual arrives in an Ofsted report and the Ofsted inspectors go oh hang on we've not come across this particular case before um what do we do about it well it doesn't quite fit this box it doesn't quite fit this box we don't have a box to put it in we'll put it in here instead um and and um and then it's that which then leads to an inadequate um, report which is just it's it's horrifying knowing how well that school works how well it was led how dedicated Ruth was in fact Ruth was such an incredible head that locally she was invited um, when I was still working there she went as a consultant into other schools um, and speaks to speak to other heads and help them improve standards wow. in their schools um, so to hear this word when it came out then you know it, it's just like <laughs> It beggars belief. It really, really does. And
1: this is the thing: we have such a shortage of, you know, we take the current context of what our recruitment retention is in schools. We have such a shortage of head teachers of of that calibre, haven't we?
6: Really,
1: that experience.
6: And I'm sure I'm not alone when I say uh, she's not the first head that I know who. I mean, in this case, it was obviously very different, but I've known other heads and deputy heads um, leave the profession as a direct or indirect result of Ofsted. Um, one of my very dear friends who I worked with for years, he went on to become a head of a um, failing school and he inherited that school in the September, they were Ofsteded later that term. Um, and he was judged poorly, but he'd been in the job in that school for maybe a month, maybe six weeks before the call came. Um and then he it ended up being not just the end of him at that school. it just paid such a toll on his mental health. He left the profession um that's just it's just happening too often um but it's do you know what's been really interesting? It's been interesting listening to people talking about um uh, offsted experiences that have been positive um which shows that there is room for offsted. And it can be a force for good because I'm absolutely not against Ofsted. Um, and I, yeah. I I can't speak for my colleagues, but I would say that most of them, despite everything, are not against Ofsted. What we are struggling with is the way it's carried out. Um, what my very first Ofsted report, which was frightening, I worked this out, it was about 20 years ago, which absolutely frightened me. Um, but in those days, you why know, would what that,
1: was... why would that frighten you? Because oh, you're I like... can't
6: believe I've been, in, I've been, you know, I qualified if my degree started in 98. And I feel like I've only disqualified. Um, but yeah, in the old, the old style framework, I did have an incredibly positive Offsted. It was yeah. a very small school. And at that yeah. time, the head I was working under, he was near retirement. He'd been in the job for many, many years. And he worked on the principle that he knew what was best for the school. So when policies came through, um, as they do, he would look at them and he would say, actually, for this school, this is not appropriate. We're not going to put this in place. And he mm-hmm. made that decision policy by policy, you know, paperwork by paperwork. And in those days, when um, Ofsted came in, um, because he could explain why he didn't imp- um, implemented some and not others, and he was clear, um, very clear why some would work for us yeah. school and some wouldn't, Ofsted um, gave him an outstanding as an individual, as a leader, gave him an outstanding report because of that. Now, if we did that now and policies came through and we go, no, nah, we're not going to do that actually, um, would that happen? I, I really doubt it would. So, you know, there is there is definitely um, an Ofsted out there that would work, but this is not it. Um, and It's not just Ofsted. Um, I feel like support and funding for our schools, for our senior management teams, has just been slashed. So would you then say this then, that,
1: I mean, I feel, I mean, I... I've, I've always supported my head teachers. I've always had a, a love hate relationship with my head teachers. I'm the mm-hmm. the union rep, so I'm, uh, I'm yeah. the guy that I'm the guy that knocks on the door and, and 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 the voice of the staff. So I'm I'm the metatron basically. So I'll go in and go. Everybody's thinking this, boss. This is what's happening. <laughs> and and, li- and li- it's never going to get me into a, a a job elevated beyond my station. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I've always understood the difficulty of the job of being a head teacher is to try and balance things out between the staff, the people's the parents, the funding. And again, when I w- was a governor, what I saw was the other side of the, the funding cuts, and the head teacher with his head is his hands going like, "What am I going to do here? I've got I've got budget cuts. I can't cut staff funding, uh, you know." And they're getting pummeled left, right, and centre. And then for it to be judged by Ofsted when you're operating, which I feel a lot of schools are operating with one hand tied behind their back, basically because of the lack of funding, staffing, all the issues they're dealing with. To have somebody come in and judge them when it's not say you know they're doing their best, they are deep coping with very difficult circumstances. You know, to be criticised on SEN provision when you've got no TAs, when you're you're criticised for, you know, things like, you know, what the school is is outside play areas and you think, well, what do you want me to do? Go go outside with umbrellas. Sometimes the school issues are to do with the buildings, the funding, the staffing, which the head teacher has absolutely no control over. And and equally, they're doing their best under those circumstances. Then to have Ofsted come in and criticise you for things that clearly... You can't impact on do do you think that's also the case as well that you know it's unfair the way that we're being criticized when we're many schools are literally doing their best
6: uh yeah, hugely um funding is great when we had a hundred thousand pounds cut overnight uh about i don't know four or five years ago um a hundred thousand pounds from a school is a huge a huge dent in the pocket, and what it meant for us is supply cuts so um where teachers were off sick or PPA time, Um, Ruth was going in and teaching, a senior management, um, she and the deputy were going in to teach. Um, So where is their senior management time? And then Ofsted, um, Ofsted, uh, the council bringing more paperwork, government decide they want this covered, that covered, Um, suddenly there's all this extra admin, you know, a system that's been used in the school has now got to be updated um senior management is supposed to be doing this you know the manager of the school the head is supposed to be doing this but they're in class covering um mm. because there's no supply budget and you know we all know that as teachers we are buying pencils we're buying books for our library you know we lost our library because of funding we had um lost our librarian um Mm -hmm. we lost our uh, math booster lessons we lost our reading boosters we lost all the creativity we have a, a kiln at the school and we used to have somebody who came in and did clay did pottery every child once a year, went home with a beautiful piece of pottery. Um, oh. Went, you know, that's gone because the funding and the staffing is not there. So then, you know, why, why, um if people, are, if Ofsted are going to then come in and say, where is your maths booster? Or, Where's your reading booster? Or, yeah, you know, why, why is this not happening? It's well, you're taking and taking and taking. Yeah, you're putting more and more and more pressure on. The support is not there. You know, as teachers, we felt supported because we had a, a a brilliant head who we could go to. But where's her support? You know, where mm-hmm. does she go? We we have great governors, but the governors are volunteers, um,
1: and that's what we were saying you know, earlier on. Is that you know your governors are themselves? You know, the governance says, and that was that was the point it was making earlier on. Was um, we're dealing with a situation now where governance is becoming like a part-time job and getting yeah. people to be good governors and training for governors and your head teacher needs good governors and and again lucky enough that that's one of the things that why i've been kind to my current head teacher i was a governor before we we shifted into an academic trust and i saw exactly th- those horrible decisions that they were having to make and sometimes it was me from the staff point of view arguing the head t- for the head teacher you know to say to the governors this is where we're at this is what's happening on the shop floor but yeah. now you see, with academic trusts, you're losing a lot of governance as well because we moved from having, at you know, one stage, twenty governors, foundation governors, and and parent governors, now to two, two or three governors, and now we're part of a multi academy trust. You know, there's less parental input coming in, less support. The head teachers now making lonelier decisions. Yeah. And as one of my one of my former colleagues used to say, it's a lonely walk, isn't it, of leadership? Because everybody second guesses you, and everybody is second guessing what you're doing, but they're not always yeah. privy to all the information and all the facts and yet you're now criticized by the local media and that's the thing it really hurts every time you, you get on and you see the local facebook has got like the local newspaper and it's got an, an inadequate offstage from this school and then mm. when you see written by some people ah oh, this goes this this goes on and just people pile on and they pile they in and, and they just overly criticize and they amplify everything and make it sound and you think it's your school. It's your community. Come and help us. Come and and there's that disconnect now of almost like we've got to blame somebody. It's a blame culture thing, isn't it? It's like that the school leadership are fault, and you see these new academy trusts might come in and go right. Let's get rid of the whole school leadership. And you think what? And we're kind of running out of people now because a lot of that's been happening as well, where it's just easy to turn around and say, well, who do we blame? It's a bit like the football manager thing, isn't it? Where it's like, not the players, you know, it's the football manager. And I do feel a lot of respect for anybody in leadership at the moment because yeah, it, it's, it's, almost like the, it's almost like the stock exchange. They're almost now like, like stock exchange people. And the marketization of education means that unless you're getting like a profit, which is an outstanding, you're not a good business leader and you're, you're sacked and it's got a bit like that. It's got a bit harsh and cruel that way that you must have a school performing. If not, then you're, you're the reason for that performing in a way that a football manager is to blame for the performance of the, the football team. It has become that toxicity of, of leadership, isn't it? It's all on them, isn't it? And, and it is a, a lot of respect for head teachers, the job they do, considering now they're getting it from all sides, really, and then to have Ofsted over them i don't know how some head teachers call but really well they don't just what you telling us isn't it they, they don't cope. yeah
6: and, and yeah you're right so the, the whole safeguarding thing there is no safeguarding section on the um obsted as such when you look at the the, uh, the you know the, the um, front page and the, the way it's laid out so where do they put that they put that under leadership so anybody you know who's who's potentially looking to go um, send their children to a school there's a seven page Ofsted report and they will a lot of them look at that first Mm. page look at that one word see inadequate and then see that it's the leadership that's inadequate and and, you know Ruth was to work with her she was that sort of person that took everything very personally you know if, if there was a complaint made Um, About a child in the playground, she would take that personally, you know, even though she was always out Mm. in the playground, she was constantly aware of what was going on. Everything was personal. So then to to lump this whole inadequate word Mm. on the leadership part of of the Ofsted, that is making it personal. Yeah, and again, it's just unforgivable. And just a point, and I, I really have to say, this is my view. I'm not speaking for Kavisham at all, um, and I haven't been in this in the school as a teacher for um, about three or four years, but I do feel from the from sort of slightly on the outside that there was an agenda with this Ofsted report, and for me, the agenda was the um, academisation. You know, I think. It feels like
1: were, nice. were they so they were at local authority still?
6: Well, I feel like um, they came in thinking, um, you know, it's, it's all about academies. I don't know if it, mm. is this is a, a more a national thing, but it's all about academies. A, you know, the way to go. We want more academies, um, and for me, and this is just me, I have to say this. Um, it just is a bit suspicious that they were talking about academisation. Then there's an Ofsted. And the way to push an academy through is obviously the easy way is for a uh, school to become inadequate.
1: Okay, this best... is getting spicy, this is.
6: <laughs> oh, well, well. He, no, no, but it, no, it, this
1: it's is, a theory. This is just, it's, a theory. It is
6: a, it's exactly what it is. It is just a theory and it is yeah. something that occurred to me when I was talking to somebody else. I was like, but do you see where I'm coming from? You know, oh, it, no, I, 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 I my, local,
1: my local school, my daughter's, daughter's school, um, uh, I would be, be in front of it. if it was if it was changed from what it is it's a good school and it's a good mm. school not because Ofsted said it's a good school it's a good school because I read Cavisham's report and I see my own daughter's school in that and yeah. um and I and that's what I th- th- there I said as an educator that's what I want for my children that's yeah that's actually the school I've taught in 19 years is a mm. secondary version of what you're saying and that's why I stay there because it's a community. I've taught generations of children. I've taught children's parents. I've taught yeah. colleagues. And you know, when you get a school like that, I mean, I should have career-wise left a long time ago. But when you have a school like that, I would go through walls for that school. That's my school. That's my yeah. community. Yeah. And when I read that Ofsted report, I get that sense. I get exactly that sense. That school is rooted, deeply rooted in the community. And yep. the parents love the school. The par- the kids love the school. That person who led that school was integral and woven into the DNA fabric, probably, of the school. Yep. And, we, and in this day and age, those type of schools are, I'm not saying under attack, but they are less. They, because, you know, schools like that aren't businesses. They are they're yep. there to service a community. They're not there exactly. to make a profit. So, yep. and that's my—that's again—that's my opinion of that. That's what I don't like about the way education is going, because education should be about the context of the community you're teaching and you're there to service that community. You're connected to that wider community and that wider community and you have a symbiotic relationship and the teachers within that community are rooted within the community, respected within the community. Call me very old-fashioned. but well, that's what yeah, I but, to. It, do you know, know but so.
6: I've just revealed how long I've been in the profession <laughs> um, and in those um, 20-something years, you know, that's how it was when I started out um and it just feels like it's we're being pulled and pushed and and it's just not the profession that it was when yeah. i started out and it it absolutely kills me because you you go into teaching to um you know fulfill these this you know these things that you've um decided that that is your vocation that you want to um improve education you want to pass knowledge on to children you want to enrich their lives and um, then you're told stupid things like right now when you mark a year two piece of work we want three different color marker <laughs> pens oh, and we no. want a, you know we want a point for improvement we need this so each book is going off the topic of Otis, no it's so not like, it's relevant it's re- but you, you go, I, 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 you're I got spending to... like over an hour marking a set of English books and then you've got maths books and then you've got history <laughs> so suddenly you've got like four hours out of school time that you're marking knowing
1: that you hear a statement like this you must underline the title and underline the date la 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 and i'm like why (laughs) well off dead are looking at the books so when a child when a child contacts me after 10 years leaving school and says thanks very much for that year nine history lesson on on the on the holocaust i've just visited auschwitz you know what you made me think and i'm thinking wow 10 years later that child remembers the lesson I taught them they're not going to contact me in 10 years time and say well done! You taught me how to diet. <laughs> no,
3: no. But
6: I, we used to be able to do that. We used to have creativity in our schools. We, we used to be able to decide. You know, it's snowing outside. Let's let's go off curriculum for the day and write poems about the snow. And you know, and now it's. Well, it, you're all teachers, so you you know this. I'm not. I'm teaching grannies to suck eggs, but it is. It's it's very sad to me that um that teaching is going this way. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm
1: we're going to fight for it. That's why we stay in it. I'm 19 years and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> because... Well, you're better
6: than me because I did. I, I jumped ship. I teach I Don't now
1: privately. Don't, <laughs> don't blame me, but I'm built for that. You see, I grew up as a son and of daughter of civil rights, sorry, son of um, civil rights people and, and I'm the union guy. It's, and, and I do think it is worth fighting for, and that's the thing. that has been affirming in the last couple of weeks, and especially yeah. going back to Flora, which is which is basically a Spartacus moment, wasn't it? It was it was oh. amazing. To see. Wasn't it amazing? Wasn't it? It was fantastic Absolutely. to
6: see that. Literally,
1: you know, we're all Flora. I'm Spartacus, and up we all went. But we have got to maintain that, and I think that standing together standing in solidarity yeah. on the back of the on the back of the strikes and on, on, on the back yeah. of the pushback this is that yeah. moment isn't it where we we fight for education so it goes now to how do we do that and it has to be coming up to the next general election we got to get onto the backs so of whoever's going to be elected and say this is not good enough it's not business as usual and tinkering around the edges is not going to cut them that's not going to cut it any longer we need okay. wholesale funding changes you know and yes, as, as mentioned earlier on, we've got to be careful about going from one extreme to another. Yet abolishing law yeah. interesting take. But what, what do you replace it with? And I, th- I do think that's a fair point. We need accountability. But like we heard earlier on, there's ways of doing accountability which are more affirming and more in line with a, an experience which can help and grow you. The same way we do with children. We don't condemn children when they make one mistake, do we? You know we let them grow and learn so the same thing should apply to us grow and learn it and evolve and that should be a, a, a continual process where well, we do cpd don't we we do cpd because schools are always and, and good teachers are always constantly reflecting and learning and evolving so that should be part of the process which is fantastic but thank you very much kate that's been it's been wonderful you've confirmed and the beautiful thing is you confirmed literally what i got the flavor from the school um, mm-hmm. from reading through between the lines and the, the irony is is that the majority of that offstage does actually capture the flavour of that school but as you yeah. said it's just that that part then obviously you know yeah, but and I, thanks for
6: that I feel, very, I feel um, very hopeful that you know an investigation and it's amazing there's a petition that went out, how many people signed it. And that petition was not for abolishing offset. That was just for an investigation to see, you know, what what went wrong. And um, I know Julia, who is um, Ruth's sister, she's really keen to keep the momentum going um, because these things have a habit of sort of bubbling up and you have a week of, in- I mean, my inbox, I cannot tell you the number of emails I've had through with requests to speak on television and radio and I, which is just not my thing at all in fact I said no to coming on here first but thank you Tom for <laughs> giving me the le- <laughs> oh, well I just I, I, I'm very concerned that, that because I am linked to the school there's a mm. danger that it, I will then be, be seen to be the school's voice which I'm not um and I know things that I'm not, you know, I'm not allowed <laughs> to talk about. And yeah, I that get sounds very... like a game of Thrones. things. I know things. <laughs> well, yeah. I, know, I I know what I'm like and I get very passionate about this because it's important. And then I worry that I'm going to say, say something. That <laughs> oh, bless. Do. No,
3: so you've this been is space
6: taught, But, you know, good morning Britain as like, I don't think I trust myself on that but uh, no so my, my point is that um yeah uh, Julia and the family aren't um are just very keen that this doesn't become one of those things that's a you know a bubble and in interest for a week and then it's sort of Gary Lineker's back in the news and everyone's yeah, forgotten I about it. Yeah, I
1: don't think it will, because I think the issue is is a long running issue, and therefore every time now there is... I think the meet As Tom, Tom said the other night in his Twitter space, and, and God bless him, he, I've never known Tom to be so passionate about this as well. It obviously struck a chord. and mm-hmm. struck a chord with a lot of us, and it's, it's still raw, because... Yeah we feel it it's one of our one of our fraternity has been un- un- wronged and that's what, how i feel about it and, and i'm passionate about that because that's why i i am a union representative i look after my colleagues because i care about them and i care about working with young people that's the type of business we're in we're, we're teachers we care about people we nurture them we grow them and and, and that's what we do but this is the thing I think every time now there's going to be a, a sort of a, a bad Ofsted report. I think now people are have the confidence and maybe saying themselves, actually, hold on a second here. I can push back on this. I think if anything, now it enables people to stand up a lot more. And it's that kind of thing of like, I can push back on this because you know what, I'm not happy about this. And I think that can only grow and it can only grow, but only if, and this is the thing, only if people have that courage to, to stand up and speak out. And, and I think that's the ball is rolling with now. And, and, I think something has been awakened. I do feel it. I do, do think enough is enough. And that's just that general feeling I get from being you know, in education for so long that you get the sense of th- this is the moment now where we, we, we sort of defend our profession. Defend.
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.